0: Bibles to Proverbs chapter 24 Proverbs chapter number 24 we are going to wrap up this chapter tonight we begin in verse number 30 go down through verse number 34 and so Lord willing next week we'll start in chapter 25 Proverbs chapter 24 and verse number 30 I went by the field of the slothful and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding. And lo, it was all grown over with thorns and nettles, had covered the face thereof, and the stone wall thereof was broken down. Then I saw and considered it well. I looked upon it and received instruction. Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep, so shall thy poverty come, up, come as one that traveleth, and thy, and thy want as an armed man. We all learn from experience. You've heard people say, well, experience is the best teacher. Well, you know, the fact of the matter is, we learn from experience, but I, I want you to know that can be very painful also. There's really a better way, and that is that we learn from the experiences of others. And uh, I, I don't know that anybody ever offered such a gold mine of experience related truths as does Solomon. And, and we see that in all of his writings. Here is a man that you know, that had experienced the highs and the lows, a man that suffered the extremes of life and, and, and just pretty much went through it all. And, and out of the great depths of his experiences and by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he's sharing all of this with us, and we'd do well to listen. Now, tonight in these verses, the subject is the field of the slothful. The field of the slothful. And I want you to notice here in verse 30 where he went. He said, I went by the field of the slothful and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding. You know, there are a lot of beautiful scenic places on earth, and, and I'm certain that he could have mentioned some of them. I, I, on Sunday I was talking about the, the, the Lake Gennesaret, you know, and and, the, and what the historians had to say about that lake and the beauty of it. And certainly, you know, throughout Palestine, there were a lot of things beautiful to behold. But notice, he doesn't mention any of that. He doesn't talk about any lush green valleys or majestic mountains. He doesn't speak about any of the sparkling streams, the heavy laden forests. Instead, he's looking at a field that is covered over with weeds. And the person who owned that that field and the vineyard, by the way, is described here as being slothful and void of understanding. I might add that the former is evidence of the latter. The former is evidence of the latter. He is slothful and he's void of understanding. And there's the evidence to prove that he doesn't have good understanding because those who have understanding realize the danger of being slothful. They know that it's a foolish thing to, to wish for things that we're not willing to, to work for. That's been expressed down through the years in many different ways by many different proverbs. And and and, and every, every nation has, you know, their own little quaint sayings that relate this. And there are those that have said, no sweat, no sweet, no pain, no gain. Somebody else said, he that would eat the, the kernel must crack the nut. And in other words, it takes effort. If you're going to get something good out of it, well, you're going to have to put some energy into it. But the problem is we keep ignoring what we know to be the truth. And and, and there are a lot of times, you know, people in their desperation will ask maybe others to pray for them, and it might be a situation to where, where they have a genuine need. But they don't talk about the fact that the need was created by the fact that they didn't do what they should have done. Somebody, you know, says, well, well, you know, I just don't worry about stuff like that because after all, the Bible says God will supply all of our needs. Well, yeah, He does. But there are conditions that we have to meet for that to happen. God doesn't supply all of the needs of somebody that's living in a state of rebellion against Him. There are too many times we want things we're not willing to work for. We wish, but we don't work. We're kind of like you know the the hillbillies, and of course being from the Ozarks, and and, and you know all of the all of the postcards and what have you shows the old hillbillies sitting out in a rocking chair on the front porch with a corn cob pipe in his mouth, you know. And and and, and, and I mean, let me tell you something. There's there's some truth to that. I literally, this is honest. I'm telling you the truth. I saw a woman pulling a plow being guided by the man he's back here on the plow she's pulling that plow that actually happened now, I, uh, you know, that's lazy it's kind of like you know the old couple there in the ozark sitting in the house and maul said to paul said paul i think it's raining won't you get up and go outside and see he said no nah. he said just call the dog and let him come in we'll see if he's wet and then we'll know whether it's raining or not and, 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 you know, that's just descriptive of a lot of people. And so this is the kind of person he's talking about. He went by the field of the slothful man, the man that was void of any understanding. So this is where he went. And so, you know, maybe just with your mind's eye, you can picture Solomon standing out there looking on that field and, and, and seeing it in its, uh, horrible condition. Verse 31 talks about, what he saw, we know where he went, this is what he saw, verse 31, and lo, it was all grown over with thorns and nettles, had covered the face thereof, and the stone wall thereof was broken down. Now there are two sad sights here. Uh, notice it says it was all grown over with thorns and nettles, and let me tell you, that's not what you expect to see in a society that depends upon agriculture for their livelihood. You, you don't expect something like that. One of, the, uh, one of the impressive things I noticed in Germany, there were several different things, but but one of the things that I noticed was the cleanliness, the... I mean, there's you no know, papers and bottles and stuff laying on the streets, and, and it was just amazing to me, and, and, and it, at least in the area where, uh, where I was. Uh, the, the, the fields and everything was just trimmed and nice, and uh, uh, you know, some people have that work ethic of just taking care of what they have And this is an agriculture area we're talking about back then. I mean, we'd call them farmers today, and we would expect them to take care of things like this. But here we see the lack of neglect. Uh, We see a lack of labor. He says it was all grown over with thorns and nettles. You know, that raises another issue when we talk about thorns because it takes us all the way back to the fall of man. Since the fall, we've had to deal with thorns and thistles. they they become natural. Uh, it was not that way originally. But when man sinned, there was a curse placed upon the earth. And as a result of that, now we have to contend with thorns and thistles and weeds and what have you. In other words, you don't have to do anything to produce weeds, do you? They just come up Naturally. I mean, they're there. It is it is amazing. They'll come up through the crack in the sidewalk or just, you know, wherever. Uh and, and so we have to earn our bread by the sweat of our brow. That's just the way that it is ever since sin entered into this world. Can you imagine what it would have been like in the original garden where God just gave them everything freely, said you may eat Freely, you know, of all of the fruit of the trees there, just go out and there it was for the picking. I mean, no problem at all. But boy, did things ever change when sin entered into this world. And we need to remember that we live in a cursed world and it is a part of God's plan that we work for what we get. The Bible says, if a man will not work, neither shall he eat. And if he provides not for his own, the Bible says he's worse than an infidel. So part of the problem is the neglect that caused the weeds and the nettles to grow. But notice, that's only part of the problem. He goes on and he says, and the stone wall thereof was broken down. Now that's significant because someone had been industrious enough not only to mark his property line but to build a stone wall to provide a measure of protection. That's a common thing, by the way, up in Missouri, because if you you know, if you if want to use the property you've got, if you want to plant a crop, the first thing you've got to do is get the rocks off the fields. I mean, the rocks are everywhere up there. And so that's why you'll see just mile after mile, of stone walls, a lot of times because they would take all of those rocks, they'll build a stone wall right on the fence line, and uh, and here is a picture of someone being industrious enough and concerned enough that they build a stone wall. This is their their boundary line. This is their. Uh, their manner in which they are protecting the fields and so forth, so that tells us the previous owner had been serious about farming. In other words, he is a uh, he is a hardworking man. He's serious about what he's doing. And keep in mind that was a witness to everybody that went by, because you go by and you see that stone wall, you know it didn't it didn't grow up like the weeds. That was the result of somebody's labor. And so when you went by there, you had the witness that somebody cared enough that they built this wall. But now, however many years later, now Solomon is visiting that same field and it's in a state of deterioration. The signs of neglect are evident and and consider what a poor testimony that was to the present property owner. uh, Because the outward appearance revealed his inward condition. Somebody says, "Well, I just know. You know, I don't really care what people think of how I look or how I appear to them." Well, you know, you ought to. It it, it make, makes a difference. Uh, our outward appearance a lot of times tells something about what we are inwardly. And here is one man industrious enough that he builds up the wall to protect the crop. Another man too stinking lazy to go out there and to take care of the rock and to take care of the wall. And now it's deteriorating, falling down. I spent a good portion of the day early this morning, probably somewhere between four and five. That's when I started on it and worked on it several hours you know, there are a lot of times whenever you're preparing a sermon and you, what you would really like to do is write a book on the subject and uh, and that's kind of the way this went. I I finally finished four or five, at least four, eight and a half by eleven sheets of paper with just handwritten notes on the subject and, and it, it basically had to do in leading up to the main thought which had to do with the Lord's church being the pillar and ground of the truth and how important it is that we do our part in maintaining it and so forth. I'm not talking about material things now. I'm talking about in ministry. But in doing so, I started out by talking about the changes that have taken place since, let's say, 1950. And I'm not going to rehash all of that now, but I'm just making mention of it to make a point here. Whenever we look back, and uh, there are a great many churches that has a glorious heritage. You know, they can look back and think of a time where there was a membership made up of dedicated people, people that loved the Lord, people that were concerned about souls. They went out on visitation, they knocked on doors, they witnessed the people, they handed out tracts, they did everything they could, and they built a congregation And they might have maintained that for maybe a number of years, you know, 20, 30, 50 years, whatever. And then all of a sudden a generation comes along that all they do is sit back and enjoy what somebody else has provided. And then after a while, you know, and it always starts with the little things. And after a while, the neglect of little things lead to the destruction of the whole thing. If you've been saved very long, uh, you can probably think of some churches that one time were bright and shining lights in their community, and they're gone. The the doors are closed. When I say gone, they don't exist anymore. How sad it is to look back and to say there was someone that cared enough that they worked at it and they built something for the glory of God and then somebody else comes along and they just enjoy the fruit of their labor but they're not willing to work and consequently the whole thing comes tumbling down. That's what I see in this. That one man... Had built a wall, planted a crop. Here's a man that, that, that did things right. Now, the present owner uh, just kind of lets it all go. Now, the weeds and nettles out in the field, the walls falling down. That's what he saw. And no doubt it must have been a heartbreaking picture. So, we know where he went, we know what he saw. But now I want you to notice what he did. Look at verse 32. Then I saw, then I saw and considered it well. I was sitting there this afternoon reading this, and I thought, you know, I'm going to have a terribly difficult time getting beyond those words, and I'm not even going to get started on that. But that's an important addition there when he says, then, then, not before, then I saw and considered it well. I looked upon it and received instruction. Now first of all, I want you to notice what he didn't do. He didn't break forth in some tirade against the man. He could have. The fellow probably had it coming. You know, he could have went up there and knocked on his door and said, You blooming idiot, don't you know that if you're in the farming business, you've got to get out there and hold the weeds and you've got to build the wall back? I mean, what kind of a farmer are you? You're some kind of a nut. Blah, 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 blah. He could have just gone on on a tirade against that man, but he didn't. He didn't even confront the man. He didn't condemn the man personally. In fact, he doesn't even mention his name. You know, farmer Zedekiah down the road there. He's a terrible farmer. He could have done something like that. He could have just, you know, spread that news throughout all of the community. So let me tell you what I saw today. I was going down the road and went past old Zed's old field down there. I'm telling you what that was the most awful thing I've ever seen in my life. But he didn't do that. You see, that's our response a lot of times to the things that we see. And it's the wrong response. We can rant and rave against those things all we want to, but that doesn't do any good. Notice what happened. Uh, What he did was that he looked. He looked. He's observing, and it tells us he learned. In other words, he didn't just see it and then forget. He makes it a point to tell us the effect of the experience. He says, I saw... And I considered it well, looked upon it, received instruction. Notice each one of those phrases. They're so very important. I saw. I'm not walking through life with blinders on. I saw. You know, I realized what the situation is and considered it well. I didn't just forget about it. He said, I looked upon it. That has to do with standing there. He's observing it now and received instruction. In other words, he let the sight sink into his heart and he learned a lesson from the folly and the failure of others. And that's what we need to do. And that's why I started out by saying, you know, we need to learn from the experience of other people. And that is exactly what we see going on here. And that's why sometimes we say, every man is our teacher. General Schwarzkopf, he had a saying in that regard, that he could learn something from everybody. If not from their successes, he could learn from their failures. And that is so very true. You know, we look at somebody and they've reached the pinnacle of success in their endeavor, and we look at that and say, okay, this is what they did, that's what made them successful. We learn something from that. But we can also look at those who have crashed and burned, those who have failed miserably. And I'll guarantee you, if you really pay attention you can see what it was that brought about their downfall. And we need to learn from that. He looked. He's standing there. He is observing the situation here, and uh, he is learning something from it. And if we're, going to, if we're going to teach others, we have to be taught, and some of the best lessons we'll ever receive is from the failure of other people. So don't just, you know, wave your hand and slough it off and ignore it. When you see someone fail, learn from their experience lest you go through the same thing yourself. Now, that's what he did. He looked and he learned. Wouldn't it have been awful if he hadn't learned anything? Just stand there and look at it, you know, or like I said, maybe go over and berate the owner of the property. Or just stand there and look at it and say, this is so terrible, this is so awful. And and just walk away and not learn anything. But he learned something from that. Now I want you to notice what he taught. What he taught. And the next two verses tells us what he taught. To put it simply, he taught that slothfulness leads to poverty to pain, and to ruin. Notice the cause of it in verse 33. It says, Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. That, that's, that shows the ease with which slothfulness comes upon us. In other words, it's not hard. Uh, all it takes is neglect and ruin will eventually follow. Now, that's true if it's a house. Right? I mean, if you don't if you don't provide upkeep on a house, after a while, it's going to fall down. Uh, it'll literally fall apart. Anything that man can make eventually is going to fall apart. Uh, you've got to provide upkeep on a house, a car, a job, a relationship, whatever it is. Requires effort on our part to keep it up. And you know, some people. Um, well, they just dismiss their laziness as though it's no big deal, and, the, you know, I, you'll hear them joke about it, they'll laugh about, well, you know, I might be a little lazy, uh, and in their mind, that's not anything to really worry about. You know, I'm only human, yeah, I'm a little lazy, but, you know, I'm just a laid-back kind of a guy, I just don't get too excited about anything. And sometimes they even try to justify it, maybe by bragging about their good points in other areas. Oh yeah, I'm lazy, but 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 I'm I'm really generous. Because a lot of people who give, it won't work, you know. They just want to pay their way out of the responsibility. Or somebody say, well, yeah, you know, I'm I'm really lazy, but I excel in these other areas. I'll never forget. I won't even mention where because this broadcast is going out and I wouldn't want to embarrass anyone. Well, I really would like to, but I, I won't. And I'll never forget, I'd just gone to this church, been there a short time, and uh, one one of the deacons, in fact, I heard this from more than one, but he was the most emphatic about it, started talking about their former pastor, and, you know, it's not what I generally want to hear. Uh, but he was talking about the fact that this guy wouldn't do anything. I mean, nothing. said, he's really a good teacher, but he, 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 he won't do anything. You know, I, I mean, he do, does nothing, provides no leadership, ministers to nobody. All he does is just come and teach and go home, and, uh, and, and that's it. You, you know, there are a lot of times that we think that our excellence in one area excuses our failure in another, and it doesn't. It doesn't, and, and uh, so here he's trying to show us how easy it is to fall into that trap—a little sleep, just a little slumber, little folding of the hands to sleep—and uh, and all of a sudden, what happens? The weeds grow up, the wall falls down, the nettles begin to grow. And uh, so we've got to take care of those little things. I remember going fishing several years ago by myself and had my, one of one of my many flat bottom boats that I've had. And so I, in a hurry to get in the water and start catching bass, naturally. And uh, so I shoved it off of the trailer, which happened to be on a very very steep bank. And and so I shoved that in, and just about the time it hit the water, I realized, oh no. I didn't put the drain plug in. <laughs> and let me tell you, those things fill up pretty fast whenever they're sitting out there and that water comes gushing in, you know. And, and and whenever your boat's sitting on the bottom of the lake, it's of little consolation to know, well, it just has one little tiny hole in it. That drain plug, you know, it's not very big. Just And, and sometimes we do that with our character. Yeah, I'm a little bit lazy, but... Well, let me tell you, sometimes being a little bit lazy is a big enough deal that it can shipwreck your life. And so we need to put an emphasis upon it. This is the cause of the problem here. This this man was just lazy. Now, notice the consequences of it in verse number 34. So shall thy poverty come upon one that traveleth and thy want is an armed man. Now there's no doubt about it that he's telling us here that slothfulness brings poverty. But that, the first part of this, I had to think this through a little bit. Notice the poverty comes as one that traveleth. He's talking about somebody traveling toward a certain destination. Well, how in the world does that relate to what he's talking about? Well... I think I can explain it like this. All of the trips that we took with the kids over the years, and how many hundreds of times have I heard, Daddy, are we there yet? Daddy, are we about there yet? Over and over and over again. The point is, when you're traveling, you are getting near and near and near to your destination. It's a process. And, and, and I think that's the point here. Thy poverty shall come as one that traveleth. In other words, just little by little. It's near and near. But make no mistake about it. You're gonna get there. You're gonna get there. Just, you know, just because you get out of the will of God, you know, today doesn't mean you're gonna crash and burn tomorrow. You know, it might take a week, it might take a month, I don't know. God's the one in charge of the timing of those events and what have you. But the whole point of it is, is that it it may not be sudden, but it's certain. And then he says that it brings ruin like the experience when an armed man robs you and strips you of all of your goods. Notice, and thy want, in other words, lack, what you lose, is as an armed man, and, and, and folks, we need to realize that principle applies to all areas of our life, and it's true not only as individuals, but it's true in a corporate sense. And, and, and I, I mentioned that because when we think about the church, we're talking about we're talking about a A a body, as Paul says, made up of many different members. So we speak in the corporate sense. It it involves more than just us. And what is true of us as individuals, that is, if we're too lazy to work, if we don't fulfill our responsibilities and what have you, eventually we're going to lose what we've got. And the same thing happens in churches also. You know, churches. Different churches are known for different things. One church might be known for having a great choir. Boy, have you ever been? You know, you know, such, and such Church. I'll tell you, they've got man, they've got the best choir I've ever heard. Or you know, the focus might be on the preaching, or it might be on a number of different things. They got the most beautiful building, or whatever. Well, I will tell you, we better be we better be known for being a hard working church. Somebody back some years ago, whenever, uh, in the church growth movement and what have you, somebody wrote a little book about how to grow a dynamic church. How to grow a dynamic church. And you open the book, and you start through the book, and there are no pages inside. Every, just nothing. Nothing. But on the inside of the cover, it says, go to work. (laughs) That was it, go to work. That's how to grow a dynamic church. Well, let me tell you, it takes more than work to do that, but it does take work. And and we need to realize that, uh, whether it's a Sunday school class, whether it's the WANA program, or whatever it is, whether it's having an excellent choir, whatever it is that we do for the Lord, it requires effort on our part. Now let me close by saying this. We've been talking about the field of the slothful and the pitiful witness that was. And I hope tonight when we leave here that we'll all leave here thinking of our soul as a field or as a vineyard. Think about your soul, that inward part of you. Think about you being a field or being a, a vineyard that has to be cared for. And, and so consequently, it's necessary that we cultivate Christian graces. You know, we talk about that a lot of times in regards to the fruit of the Spirit and what He produces in our life. We're to be fruitful. In fact, over in John chapter 15, the Lord's talking about that, you know, and maybe you've heard people say, well, you know, it it doesn't make a difference whether we're fruitful or not, as long as we're faithful. Well, I believe if we're faithful, we'll be fruitful. And I say that because of what Jesus said there, that we are to bear fruit. And then he said, we are to bear more fruit. And then he wasn't through. He said, we are to bear much fruit. And then he tells us Why? so as to glorify God. God is glorified whenever we are bearing fruit in our life. And the sad thing is that a, a lot of lives are in a very bad state. Instead of being, instead of being fruitful, why, they're all covered over with weeds and nettles. Instead of manifesting the fruit of the Spirit, they produce the works of the flesh. Now there's one more thing I want you to consider and I'm done. Whenever we think about this and our responsibility and we think about the danger that we uh, put ourselves in whenever we neglect these things, never forget that our failure also affects other people. Whenever you're talking about weeds, you know weeds can't be uh, confined to a certain area very long they turn to seed and when they turn to seed they the wind catches them up and what happens they spread to the next field into the next field so after a while our neglect has a negative effect on our neighbor's field and, and so whenever we fail in our life, when our Christian character is not what it ought to be, understand that affects other people. Whenever Jesus talked, remember we had the message about what Jesus said about our influence, that we're to be salt and light in this world. That is that we are to have an effect on other people. And we do. We have either a good effect or a bad effect on other people. And hopefully it will be a good effect. But whenever all of a sudden we cease to be fruitful as Christians, uh, all of a sudden we begin to affect others in a negative fashion. We all affect others, whether it's for good, whether it's for bad. Not only do you reap what you sow, but others are affected by what you sow. Let us not be uh, found in the field of the slothful, neglecting our responsibility, giving evidence that we are lacking in understanding. Well, Lord willing, we're going to pick up as I said in chapter 25 next week. Anybody have a comment, a question?